Hello everyone, I'm Frank Rock and welcome to From the Hacks Waking Up with the Scotties Saturday Edition. It's curling day in Canada today and I'm really pumped about the guests that we've got lined up this morning. My first guests are reigning world junior champions Mackenzie Zacharias and Carly Burgess fresh off their first ever Scotties appearance. And my other guest this morning on Curling Day in Canada is Devin Haru of CBC Sports who co-hosts that curling show along with six-time Scotties champion Colleen Jones. My first guests are making their second appearance of the Scotties on this show. They joined me after playing their first game early in the week, and Mackenzie Zacharias and Carly Burgess are back on Curling Day in Canada to talk about the clubs where they learn the sport, what it's like to wear the maple leaf on their backs, and we discuss their Scotties experience. Mackenzie and Carly, today is Curling Day in Canada, so I thought I'd start by asking both of you about your hometowns and the clubs where you learn to love the sport. We'll start with Mackenzie. Yeah, curling's been super important to me basically for my whole life I think I started curling in Altona when I was about six years old in our junior program and just kind of kept uh, playing out of there until uh, my juniors and throughout juniors as well and the whole town of Altona has been always super supportive of um, any team that I've been on and they've always been there for us through like send-offs or just practice ice our ice maker was always great with always providing ice for us anytime that we needed and I'm just really proud to come from such a supportive town and really excited that I still get to represent them now. Yeah, no, um, ever since I was six years old, I started curling and um, I've grown up in two small towns um, in Berwick, Nova Scotia, and as well as Toronto, Nova Scotia. And I've had so much support throughout my community. And even though I'm in curling in Manitoba, um, I still represent Nova Scotia and um, the town of Truro, especially. And um, yeah, curling is a huge part of my life. And um it will be for a long time. Now, both of you have had the honor of wearing the Maple Leaf on your backs at international competitions. Uh, Mackenzie, what was it like when you first received your Team Canada jersey last year? And what did it feel like stepping on the ice with the Maple Leaf on your back for the very first time at those World Juniors in Russia? Yeah, getting a Canadian jersey for the first time and seeing my name on the back of a shirt with, like, the Maple Leaf on it as well. It was just absolutely incredible. And, like... I remember it as like it was yesterday and it's kind of funny. We live in a three-story apartment and I think Warren jumped up and down a couple times and we got some noise complaints. We were so excited when we were these for the first time and just the pride in wearing that too. Although Russia and representing Canada was absolutely incredible. The first time we got on the ice would have been uh, just over a year ago now in Russia and I, the arena was absolutely spectacular. It, I've never curled in an arena like that before. Like, it was, I was just speechless walking into there and then to get to play so many games there and in front of a, we had people watching too from Russia, which was actually really cool. And it was just an incredible experience and one I'm going to forget. Now, Carly, I'm sure you have the largest collection of Team Canada World Junior Curling jerseys in the history of the World Junior Curling Championship, having represented Canada five times, winning some hardware each time you went to the World Juniors, including three gold medals. What was it like wearing that jersey for the first time in those very first World Juniors you played in as a member of Mary Fay's team out of uh, Nova Scotia? And can you tell me if it felt any different wearing the Canadian jersey for the fifth and final time last year at the World Juniors? Yeah, the first time um, was in 2016. I think I was six, 16 or 
I think it was actually 17 years old. Um, and yeah, no, it was super, super cool at the, at the start um, to start my own career off with such a high note there. And um, honestly, I guess I have heard as a curler and an athlete since then. So at the start, it was just so many emotions and um, so much excitement. But now I think um, to the second part of your question, representing Canada each year, I think means more to me. Um, So it's an amazing opportunity, but like not everyone can have that opportunity to wear the maple leaf. So um, I'm really fortunate to have had those experiences and, um, winning it in 2020 2020 was um incredible just finishing off my junior career and um yeah it just it gets more exciting each year for sure now results aside and with the understanding that you were playing in a bubble without crowds did your first Scotties experience ladies live up to what you thought it would be like being our first Scotties, I know I didn't really know what to expect in. Um, I knew that it would probably be different than what a lot of teams had experienced before, just because it was in a bubble and there wouldn't be any fans in the stands this year. Um, but it absolutely lived up to any expectations that I had. It was absolutely incredible to get to play beside so many um, wonderful curlers and talented people. And um, it was all come true. Like, I mean, I've been dreaming of Scotties since I can remember like that's always been one of the goals and to now have gotten to play there was incredible and I mean we didn't exactly have the week that we kind of hoped for but I think that um going out there and playing and seeing um and competing there is going to make us want to get back there even more. Now Carly I know that you've played several of these teams on tour at least a few of them but I'm just wondering if you and the team had a bit of a pinch me moment when you looked out on the ice during the first draw and noticed some of the teams that were out there people that you've been watching on on TV uh, some of them since you were little girls and hoping to play against them at some point in the Scotties and there you were. Oh, 100%, like, um, looking around and all those phenomenal curlers and watching Jennifer Jones, like, I've always, I've looked up to her ever since I started curling and knowing that she was just, like, on, well, we weren't on the same draw, but knowing that she was there playing and, um, yeah, and, no, it's it's super cool to be able to play and uh, I know for me when I get the jerseys and I saw the Scotties logo on it and the 40th anniversary, like, things like that just are super exciting and um yeah I definitely want to go get get back and it was a unique experience for sure not having people there and um, being in a bubble but um I was so fortunate and we are so fortunate to be able to to have went this year Mackenzie, your team got off to a bit of a rough start, albeit against uh, two world-class teams and Team Anderson and Team Walker. Was it simply a case of having trouble reading the ice, or was it more about getting rid of the rust that you would have had after not playing much for the better part of a year? Yeah, I think it would have been really nice just to get on the ice a couple more times, and it would have been really nice to play a couple games before we got to the Scotties this year. I think by the end of the week, we definitely started to hit our stride a bit more and start playing like we knew that we could and making more shots. So it's kind of unfortunate that we started the week the way we did, but I think it was honestly, I don't think it was lack of experience or anything like that. It was honestly just, we hadn't played and we hadn't played together in so long. And I know everyone was in the same boat, but um, like for me personally, I hadn't read ice in like four months and um, it was just so much at one time, I guess too, that I just, it just didn't come together right away. It took a little bit of time. Um, But 
yeah, it was really starting to come together at the end of the week. And honestly, I wish you could start over again and see what happens. But I mean, it's a game of curling. So hopefully we can get back there and show Canada what we got. Mackenzie, in one of your media scrums during the Scotties, you mentioned that you had learned a lot this week. Can you share a couple of the things you may have learned at your first Scotties? Yeah, I think one thing I definitely learned about our team is that um, we're not out of any game there. Like, I know a lot of those other teams are very experienced and they're absolutely incredible curlers, but I think we also proved to ourselves that we can go toe-to-toe with some of the big names in Canada and um, just being able to do that is a a huge confidence booster, but also, like, being able to play these big-name teams, it really teaches us a lot about, like, rock tolerance and where we have to place our rocks and stuff like that, and um, we, like, can't miss two shots in a row, and uh, strategy has to be right on par as well if you want to even have a chance in the game, and I think just getting to play more games like that is going to be huge for our team in the future. I guess I will add to that a little bit as well. being able to play um, in the Scotties this year, the opportunity, when you get the the opportunity to go to the Scotties, you're also like so many emotions because you're so excited. And um, we've both dreamed about going to the Scotties ever since we were young. So um, I know it was definitely a different experience, but being able to have one Scotties under our belt and kind of calm the adrenaline and the excitement of the making your dream at 21 and 22 um, was something that we can take away next time when we go in. We won't have that same, oh, we're so excited to be here kind of thing. We we wanted to go in to win this year anyway, but um, we know what it kind of takes now and um, getting to play against some of the big teams on arena ice at the Scotties is something we can take away and learn from. Now, one thing we kept hearing in the virtual media scrums from players is how quiet it was in the arena. Can you share a couple of examples of how quiet it actually was? Yeah, it was so quiet in there, which is something I've never experienced before. Um, Like, me and Lauren, whenever we'd be standing behind the back line there, we could always hear, like, the replay of one of our shots on TSN, and Lauren would always giggle a little bit because, like, she could hear herself laughing, so it was kind of funny. But, um, yeah, it was definitely a different experience not playing with any fans. Like, we played on Arena 84 and stuff like that, so we kind of know what it's like to hear some cheering and stuff like that when you make a nice shot. So, yeah, this year is just, yeah, I didn't know what to expect going in, and I don't expect it that I guess how quiet it was going to be but hopefully um the fans can return soon and safely and stuff like that and hopefully um next year things look a little bit different and to add that to that we were actually talking tonight as a team and um the championship game on um, Sunday is going to be super different because they're going to be the only teams on the ice. There's no fans and it is going to be like dead silent. So that is also something that is going to be challenging for them because usually you make a good shot and the the crowd goes wild or is cheering for you, but there's literally the officials and the media people there. There is, um, and the fan cutouts obviously, but they're not going to make much noise. Um, So it'll be, it'll be a different um, final for sure on Sunday. Now, ladies, I know people would want me to ask, all things being equal, and if we get back to some normalcy next season, are you going to be a traveling team, or will you be mostly sticking around the Manitoba area and playing some regional events? 
Oh, we're definitely going to be traveling. The plan this year was to travel quite a bit. So I think we're going to try to do a lot of that next year, try to get quite a few points and give ourselves a good chance at the pre-trials next year and gain a lot of experience. And our goal is going to be to get back to the Scotties next year. One of the big stories in the round robin at the Scotties was the emergence of so many young teams and players, including your team, Team St. Georges, Team Peterson, Krista Burns and her team from Northern Ontario, and Sarah Hill of uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. How much fun is it for you to be part of a group of so many young women's teams from different parts of the country that look like they are on the cusp of doing great things in the sport? Yeah, it's so exciting. I think we were talking about it before the event that we've actually played a lot of, like, these teams before in juniors and stuff like that. I know Northern Ontario is pretty young. We played Laurie a lot in juniors as well. And um, I think Beth and Sarah Hill were kind of aging out right when we were getting into juniors. But um, just to see all these teams making their move to the Scotties now and being a part of that is just so special and so exciting to be in this elite group of athletes. And I'm so excited to see what we're all going to be able to do in the future. It also... um is really cool to see all of the younger athletes at the Scotties and especially our team as well. Cause now um, I think that's a bit huge for the sport of curling. And I think we're bridging the gap between the elite and the up and coming um, just how we able were, were able to prove ourselves and as Lori and Sarah and, and like you mentioned, Beth, how we all do belong there. And it, it, it doesn't really matter about our age. Um, we're all just playing the sport we love. And I, I think it was, awesome to see so many young teams at the Scotties. I know it was hard to interact with some of the other teams and other players this year because of the restrictions placed because you were in the bubble and everybody had to stay apart pretty much except when you were on the ice. I'm just wondering how the veterans were with your team this year. Did they interact with you? Did they perhaps give you hints after the game uh, once they knew they didn't have to play your team again? Just trying to get enough of an idea of uh, how welcoming and, and open the veteran teams were to the younger teams like yours. Yeah, they were, it was actually blew my mind a little bit at, at the start, how um, inviting a lot of these elite teams were. Um, it was incredible. Like it was incredible. Like playing like Carrie talked to me a couple times a little bit during the week or said hi or something like that. Or like, I think Rachel were hearing the kind words that she had to say in her uh, media scrum was really nice to hear as well. And it just, it makes us feel like we belong there and um, that they accept us competing there as well. And that's just really nice to be able to like feel that and yeah (laughs) (laughs) but again um I will say like we didn't see a lot of the other teams that were on the other in the other pool um on the other draw because there was no hard stop lounge where you could go and mingle with them and eat it was literally curl go to your hotel room order in food (laughs) and then nap and and go to your game so it 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 wasn't as social as it probably would have been um but Again, just just to be able to play <laughs> was really fun. So I've been interviewing many of the men that will be at the Briar starting late uh, next week. And a few have asked if I'd heard what the go-to restaurants were in Calgary to order from. So I'm wondering if you uh, ladies would have any recommendations. Oh, man, there's a lot of good ones. Okay, so we like order from everywhere. But um, we, we're a team that likes to try a lot of different things. And um, well, the restaurant, oh. the hotel restaurant was pretty good. Not going to lie. They made some pretty good there yeah i think milestones was probably our go-to and finally mckenzie i know the week did not go exactly as you had hoped Uh, however you ended your scotties with a double takeout for four in your last game against northern ontario how good did it feel to end your first scotties on such a positive note oh yeah it was absolutely incredible um i mean i didn't even think of it being my last shot of the scotties but after i threw it and i made it and the game was over um it's just like wow like 
okay, we're done here. But like we ended on such a high note and we had a good last game and it just, it makes me want to go back for more. And I'm just so excited to get to curl again. In the first round of the championship pool, Manitoba moved to 7-2 and two with a 12-8 win over wildcard team Peterson. After the game, Jennifer Jones spoke about how much she has enjoyed the ice surface all week. Yeah, I do. I feel like we're playing better each game and we're having a ton of fun. It's been, uh, it's been a really good week. We feel great with the speed. It's some of the best Scotty's ice we've ever had the opportunity to play on. So how lucky for us that we get to play uh, one of our only events of the year on some of the best ice. It's just a, a lot of fun out there. Ontario's team Homan stole a point in the 10th end for a 7-6 victory over wildcard team Fleury. Ontario moved to 8-1 while team Fleury dropped to 5-4. After the game, Rachel Homan was asked if she could feel the intensity level rise with the start of the championship pool. Uh, I, I don't think the intensity level increases. Um, I think if your intensity level wasn't there in the round robin, then you're not going to be there in the championship round. Um, it, I think the games, when you're crossing over in the championship round, you're playing all the teams that were at the top of their game to make it there. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of shots come down to the last rock here in the championship round. But um, we had to bring our intensity level to every game because uh, everyone was curling phenomenal this week. And kudos to everybody for <laughs> trying to figure it out through COVID and, and being here and bringing their A game. Um, yeah, it was every game was a battle for us through round robin and now the game you just witnessed there. Team Canada continued their strong play with a 10-6 win over Saskatchewan. With the win, Team Canada moved to 8-1, while Saskatchewan dropped to 6-3. After the game, Val Sweeting mentioned that this morning was the first time that she actually saw many of the teams that are at the event in Calgary. Um, yeah, it's, the biggest difference this year is that um, we didn't see the other teams from the other pool uh, at all. So we were, all of us were kind of joking this morning, oh, hey, we are in the same event. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of great teams here. We're going to see a lot of great teams for the rest of the week and uh, excited to see how it's going to shape up. And finally, in the first round of the championship pool, Team Alberta scored one in the extra and for a 7-6 win over Quebec. Alberta moved to 6-3, and three, the same record as Quebec. After the game, Laura Walker spoke of the importance of winning a grinding kind of game, expecting that there will be more of those in the championship pool. Yeah, I think so. Um, like you said, all wins are pretty big. I think we have to win all of our games from here on out, and if we do that, then our, our fate is kind of in our own hands. So... To start off the championship pool uh, with a win and, and with a very grindy win, I think was big for our team. As I mentioned earlier, today is curling day in Canada. So my questions to members of the winning teams after Friday night's draw were not about the games themselves, but about where they learned to play and where they learned to love the sport of curling. And for those who have represented Canada, I asked them what it was like the first time they wore the Maple Leaf on their backs. Team Canada continued its march towards the playoffs at the 2021 Scotties with a 9-3 victory over wildcard Team Flurry on Friday evening. The win moved Team Canada to 9-1 while Team Flurry dropped to 5-4. After the game, Shannon Burchard spoke about the club where she learned to play and what it was like wearing the Maple Leaf at the 2018 World Championships in North Bay, Ontario. Starting at the Pemina Curling Club in Winnipeg. So I there all throughout my formative years uh probably from the time I was five to 13 14 years old um so yeah they had a great junior program and um we had lots of fun there um and the second part of your question was how does it feel to represent Canada it was pretty surreal um I don't think it was something that I really saw myself accomplishing so early 
Um, and I was so fortunate to be given the opportunity to join the Jones team for that year. So um, I learned a lot and it was just electric in that building. It was so awesome to be um, on home soil for that uh, Worlds. It was a big two-win day for Team Alberta, which included a 7-5 win over Team Manitoba on Friday evening. Both teams are now at 7-3. After the game, Laura Walker and Kate Cameron spoke about the clubs where they learned to play and what it was like competing with the Maple Leaf on their backs. Yeah, I learned to curl at the Scarborough Golf and Country Club, which unfortunately is no longer a, a curling club. Um, it's I, I have a lot of credit to the members there for kind of embracing a junior under their wing. I know a lot of clubs, you know, you, juniors don't always play in adult leagues and whatnot, but I was... Um, they, they still support me to this day incredibly and to all the Scarborough members watching, thank you. I love you. Um, and to where the Maple Leaf is just, I, I don't really know how to explain it. Um, it's, it's a feeling of pride. It's a bit of a feeling of pressure. It's a feeling of, um, joy. It's, it's everything. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I guess I fell in love with the game, um, in my young teens at the St. Patel Curling Club in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And that's still um, like a home club to me. It's it's somewhere that I'm close to a bunch of members of the board, and my family has long ties there. Um, so definitely still a special place. But um, as for the Maple Leaf, I think Laura nailed it on the head. It's always an honor to get that opportunity, and uh, it comes with a sense of pride, sense of pressure. Wildcard team Peterson defeated Saskatchewan by a score of 10 to 9 on Friday evening. Alternate Amber Holland had to step in for Team Saskatchewan after Sherry Anderson suffered a minor injury earlier in the day. Both teams are now at 6 and 4. After the game, Beth Peterson and Catherine Dirksen shared their home club memories. Uh, yeah, I learned at the Assiniboine Memorial in uh, Winnipeg. Um, I was part of the Junior Rocks program with. Um, my two cousins and my best friend and my dad was um, the organizer of the junior event. So uh, that club is near and dear to my heart. I actually live like right beside it now. So it's essentially my neighbor and we won our junior provincials there with those same girls that I um, started out with. So um, yeah, I love the Assiniboine Memorial back home and um, it means a lot to me um, and I miss it. Um, yeah, I started a little bit later. I was, I believe I was 12 when I started. I had moved to a new town. Um, I had been basketball and soccer player and moved to a town that was strictly hockey and baseball that kids had been playing since they were five and I was very behind in those two sports so I thought I would try out curling and they happened to have a weekly junior program and that's how I got into that and um, actually went to my first provincials uh, sparing for a team not knowing what we were playing for (laughs) winning the zone and going to my first provincials that way so and then I just never quit. And finally, on Friday evening, Rachel Holman did what Rachel Holman often does, pulling victory out of the jaws of defeat, scoring two points on a miraculous run back in the 10th, then stealing a point in the extra to defeat Quebec by a score of 8-7. to Team Ontario moves to 9-1, and while Quebec drops to 5-4. and Both Ontario and Team Canada are two games clear of the field at 9-1. and After the game, Rachel Holman and Joanne Courtney spoke about the clubs where they learned the sport and also discuss what it felt like to wear the maple leaf on their backs in competition i learned how to curl at the crestwood curling club in edmonton uh great um community environment there were lots of young kids lots of older kids teenagers and parents helping out so it was always this nice feeling like you belonged in a group lots of positive reinforcement and my parents loved it because it was an activity that you only had to do once a week there's four kids in my family, so that was important. And then, yeah, wearing the maple leaf is the most incredible feeling. You really feel like you've made it, and the pride that you get to have when you step on the ice with that on. Um, curlers in Canada are 
phenomenal. So when you have that opportunity, you just know that you've really accomplished something. Uh, for myself, um, I actually started curling at the Rideau Curling Club, and Emma was there, and Don Askin, and Don Askin's parents taught us how to curl. They were the uh, organizers of everything, so it's all it's all Don's fault that I'm curling. I'm just kidding. Your purple splash pants. Yeah. Um, and we had a, a ton of fun there, and then I also curled quite a bit at the Navin Curling Club growing up through uh, my youth and amazing program there. There was tons of kids. I think there was five or six sheets, and they were always full. Um, and I think the grassroots of the sport is, is amazing, and we need to keep that going. Um, and then wearing Maple Leaf is uh, an incredible feeling when you're able to achieve the top of the podium amongst phenomenal curlers. You, you saw all the games today, uh, tons of extra ends, right to the last rock, tons of excitement for everyone watching. Um, the caliber in Canada is phenomenal. So when you get to the top of the podium and you're able to, to beat your peers, it's, it's a phenomenal feeling. And then um, just kind of coming together as a country and feeling that national pride and having everybody support you. It's been amazing to watch other curlers uh, after they beat us to go and represent Canada. And, and it's just a phenomenal feeling as well to wear that maple leaf and, and to wear your heart on your sleeve. My final guest on Curling Day in Canada is one of the more respected curling reporters in Canada. Devin Haru covers many sports, but curling is the one that seems to own his heart the most. This week, he and six-time Scottish champion Colleen Jones launched that curling show to rave reviews. Devin joins me to discuss covering the Scotties from afar. We touch on some of the major stories from this year's Scotties. And, of course, we discuss that curling show. So, Devin, uh, we've both known that uh, curlers are among the more accommodating athletes in sport for a long time now. But that has been especially true this week at the Scotties, with none of us allowed in the building to chat with them directly. Now, both of us have been hosting daily shows this week, and on most days, we've had players join us from inside the bubble during a national championship, which you might not get in a lot of other sports. So tell me a little bit about this relationship that the curlers have and the understanding they have that uh, media are there to help them out to promote the sport and promote their teams. I've spoken at great length, Frank, over the years about the fact that I don't think there's a better sport that has a better uh, community, inclusive um, opening its arms to anybody. And the curlers uh, exemplify that in the way they carry themselves. And we've seen it more in clear sight than ever before, that as we grapple to cover this game, uh, they're making themselves available. Listen, they get it. Curling is an e-sport. The media, I think we do one hell of a job. I may be a, a little biased, but I think we cover this game passionately. And so it goes both ways. We have to help each other. They get it. We get it. And everybody's working together to deliver what I think is yet again another compelling Scotties. All right, let's touch on some of the bigger stories of the first few days of the Scotties. Uh, one of the stories, Devin, that I've found that has been underreported a little bit is how good Rachel Holman has been playing. Uh, after the round robin, her shooting percentage was some 5% higher than any other skip, which is rare. And she's doing this while being eight months pregnant with a new player at second and with Joanne Courtney playing a new position in the lead. How impressive is that? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I think that Rachel Holman is overlooked because Rachel Holman is as good as she is. And people don't like winners, Frank, uh, to, to be honest. I mean, think about my, my co-host, Colleen Jones, and how many people despised her when she was winning back to back to back to back, right? Rachel Holman is a champion. 
Despite what has happened over the last two Scotties losing in heartbreaking extra ends, and, and despite what happened in Pyeongchang, she's an absolute champion who is devoted uh, to the game of curling. She's the last skip to win back-to-back Scotties. She, like you said, at eight months pregnant, she is leading the way, knocked off Carrie Anerson, and is right where she needs to be yet again at another Scotties. That is a mark of consistency. She's unflappable. We also forget that this team had a lineup change. They've made that look flawless. And so I just wrote a, a preview piece, and I wrote, of course, we expected Anerson and Jones and Holman to be there. But you're absolutely right. I just don't think we've talked ab- uh, enough about Rachel um, and all that she's gone through and all that she continues to go through, and yet she's still showing up and throwing darts. And I'm really, really excited for her and this team to see how they perform uh, going into the championship weekend. You and I often speak uh, on our different uh, channels and on our different uh, social media platforms about the importance of developing the next generation of curlers in Canada. How exciting has it been to see some of these young teams, Saint-Georges, Peterson, Zacharias, playing so well in their first Scotty's appearances and proving that they belong? Well, it was necessary because I have been worried about the future of the women's game in this country, if I'm really honest with you. Um, Colleen and I have had many conversations about the fact that we do get a little bit worried when we look ahead about who's going to be the future, that team, right? That team that dominates a a decade in Canadian curling. And so when you see somebody like Laurie St-Georges and Zacharias, I mean, she was right there in a number of games. Peterson with some really clutch curling against Northwest Territories to, to steal that away from Kerry Galusha. It is exciting, and, and it's promising as well. Listen, I think Curling Canada has its work cut out for it. I know they're investing in this next-gen program, but you're hearing a lot of old-time curlers um, talk about the fact that Curling Canada is going to have to figure out its priority when it comes to investing in the future of the game. You know, you hear Russ Howard, him and I had a wonderful conversation on the 15th anniversary of the Gushu Gold, and he said, listen, I didn't get a single penny from Curling Canada until I was 50 years old when I won an Olympic medal. That's too late. I think Curling Canada has to decide, does it want to invest now, which I think you can, but I think it's going to think about the future of the game, getting back into the community, getting back to grassroots, and uh, we're seeing a little bit of that at this year's Scotties, but I think there's a long way to go. Certainly love seeing the young teams, though. Now, one of the better stories at the Scotties this week is the play of Laurie Saint-Georges and Team Quebec, who have surpassed the expectations of many and have done it with smiles on their faces and while playing an aggressive and exciting style. Laurie herself has become a bit of a media darling this week with her bubbly personality and her love of the sport. Now, some people are a little concerned that she might unintentionally be setting herself up for some unfair expectations moving forward. Now that her name is on the minds of many Canadian curling fans, they'll be expecting her and the team to perform that way, uh, the way they have at the Scotties. That is all the time, which could be a little too much pressure for such a young team. Well, with great, uh, you know, great pressure and responsibility, great power, all of those things. I'm screwing that quote up. But, but, you know, pressure is a privilege. And the reality of it is, is there's nothing I've seen about Laurie St. George that leads me to believe that she's going to steer too far from who she is. And so, you know, it's, it's fascinating, Frank, because in my work, not only do I get to talk to curlers, but I get to talk to 
a lot of elite athletes in a wide variety of sports. I, I think back to Bianca Andreescu winning the U.S. Open at 19 years old. Um, and, and you also think about some other uh, players in other sports who have received, um, you know, Jeannie Bouchard, who took off and had that great run. You have to surround yourself with a great team of people to keep you uh, with two feet planted on the ground. And um, it seems like Lori has that sort of je ne sais quoi about her and her sister and her dad and everybody around her. They seem to keep it light. There's something about those Quebec teams that just have this sort of larger than life personality and that nothing seems too serious. And so I don't know if I would give her that much advice. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep having you're 23 years old, you've got your whole life in front of you, and just keep soaking up the moments. If they keep having fun, um, we've joked about her being Elsa and, and the theme song, Let It Go. If she just lets it go, uh, Frank, she's going to have one hell of a career, and I don't think we really have to worry about her getting too big to, for, for anything, to be honest. So talk to me about the team from your home province, Devin. Sherry Anderson and Team Saskatchewan have been killing it this week. They won their pool, even though the ice and the rocks seem to be driving Sherry a little nuts at times. And they're doing so in honor of their former teammate, Allie Jenkins. Well, you know, it was funny, uh, Frank, because I was on Saskatchewan radio where, of course, the Prairie Province is now clamoring and getting all excited again like we, we do when we have curling success, which has been few and far between over the last while. And they asked me if they thought that if I thought that Sherry Anderson had a chip on her shoulder. And I absolutely believe she does. She's 57 years old. She's played in 91 Scotties games. In fact, on this day, February 26, 1994, she curled in her first ever Scotties game, a win, all those years ago. And so here she is. She's been a little bit disrespected by the media, by the fans. Uh, many people saying she shouldn't be there and uh, Silver Nagel should be. The rules are very clear. That was spelled out. And Sherry Anderson is there. She has had off games. She's admitted to that. But guess what? Veteran skips, champion skips, make the shots when they have to. And Sherry Anderson has made every big shot that she's had to. She's knocked off Jennifer Jones. She's knocked off Chelsea Carey. She's knocked off the Quebec team. And so if, you you know, people have been talking, Frank, about, you know, why don't we just take the records uh, of the championship pool from, from your preliminary play and carry that over? Well, guess what? Sherry Anderson would be 3-0 and tied with Rachel Holman for top spot in the championship pool if that were the case. She's no slouch. She's a veteran of this game. She's so fun to watch on the ice. And yes, you said it. They are playing their hearts out for Allie Jenkins. There was that sweep. I can't remember. You probably remember better than I do that they were leaning on the brooms. Was it a win over? um, I can't remember who it was. Yeah, the sweepers were leaning on it. And I just thought, you know what? I think Allie was on that one because they just got it there. And so Scott and the family and everybody back home have been messaging. They're just so damn proud. I get goosebumps when I share this with you. I'm going to share a quick little thing that I don't think Colleen will mind sharing with you and the curling fans. But she said, you know what? When we were winning all of our titles, there was a moment throughout the week where we always had this moment of, I feel like there's magic. There's something happening here. And Colleen told me in one of our calls that maybe there's some magic happening for this Saskatchewan team and Allie Jenkins and all of that. And wouldn't that be something, Frank? 
if they were to pull up the upset of, a, of, of you know, recent memory. Another story that a lot of us were paying a lot of attention to this week was a heartbreak for Kerry Galusha, who came so close to qualifying for the championship pool. You could tell all week that Kerry really believed that this might be the week, even though she was a little inconsistent. Yeah, I'm absolutely gutted for Kerry. I can't lie. I mean, there she is uh, playing in the biggest game of her career, her 139th Scotties game. And, you know, I got to say, I was really concerned about the language she was using uh, towards the end of the game and, and sitting in the hack. You just heard a lot of the indecision. And can you blame her? I mean, what a human reaction that was. I can't imagine what that would be like sitting in the hack, absolutely eerily silent in the arena, playing to go to the championship round for the first time in your career. And there's just no other play, no other way to put it. I've gotten to know Carrie and, and the entire Cooey family so well. And um, and I was gutted for her. And I know thousands of other curling fans were, too. And, and so I don't I really don't have a lot to say. I know it's a game that Carrie is going to be thinking about for a really, really long time. Um, but, oh, my goodness, has she provided us with such joy over 14 appearances at the Scotty. She said on that curling show the other night that she's got at least one more year in her, Frank. So let's hope that's the case. Um, and that a lot, uh, uh, you know, a loss like this doesn't derail wanting to keep going forward because we just love seeing her on the ice. She's a fixture at the national championship. And uh, Carrie, if you're listening, uh, I'm certainly thinking about you. I know this isn't easy right now. And and um, keep your head up because you continue to do all of, of the North proud and they are so proud of you. And what about Chelsea Carey, Devin? She has so many detractors for some reason, and all she does when she shows up at the Scotties is friggin' kill it. And this year she's doing it with three teammates she's basically never played with before in a women's event. So listen, I mean, Chelsea Carey is one of my favorite people to interview. Um, She doesn't get the respect she she deserves. She's a two-time Scotties champion. She did it in the first year of a new team. You know, at a certain point, Frank, I think we got to look at, okay, who's a common denominator of these teams, right? And um, Chelsea is such a pro. She's always so vulnerable in the interviews. She talked about how they've come together, taking over this flurry team in incredible circumstances. We hope that Tracy Flurry and baby Nina are taking care. Um, and, and, you know, Chelsea's just out there and she had, she rises to the occasion, right? I asked her specifically about that, about, you know, Chelsea, what, what is it about this moment of the Scotties that brings out your best? And she said, Hey, when my back's against the wall and there's nowhere to turn and all you got to do is either win or, or you're out, there's something about that where you get no re- redos, right? And so when the bullets are live and everything goes for real and the stakes are higher, Chelsea carries as good as it gets. Um, I've loved watching how they've communicated as a team. They are at three losses, but don't count them out. All you've got to do is string together a few wins. You sneak into that uh, the final three and anything can can happen so don't count out Chelsea Carey she's as good as it gets at this point of a tournament so Devin I realize that you and I aren't going to solve uh, the issue surrounding this next topic in this interview uh, but I thought we'd uh, discuss a little bit uh, regardless uh, many people complained about the fact that there were five teams from Manitoba included in the Scotties field this year even though each of those teams earned their way there by where they finished in either in the Scotties last year or in the provincial championship last year or in the CTRS rankings 
Bottom line is, four of those teams have now qualified for the championship pool, which shows just how deep that province is. Do you think we've gotten to a point, uh, Devin, where Curling Canada might be well served to tweak their Scotties and Briar format to involve more of our top teams in the national championship? Because I know they've done it this year because it was a pandemic, and it certainly has given a chance to some of these teams in a province like Manitoba where you might be the 11th best team in Canada and may not even get to the Briar or sorry, the, the Scotties for another five or seven years. Well, I mean, the reality of it is, is I just don't think you can put too much into this year, to be frank. I mean, you know, nobody is going into this how they wanted to. So I know there's a lot of teams that got left out. There's a lot of teams who didn't get on, on the ice. Um, and <laughs> I, listen, it wouldn't be curling season if we didn't complain about what game is on TV or this or that or what teams are there. Sure, four out of the eight teams are going to get their Manitoba Provincials after all. The cream is going to rise to the top like it does every year at the Scotties. But the reality of it is Curling Canada tried their best to get this right. Nobody's ever going to be happy all the time. We're seeing that. The, the, you know what? They probably could have been way more transparent with the process. It, it it really just felt like there was arbitrary sort of last second decisions that were being made. And, and I think that sort of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, and that's a problem for sure. I also think that curling Canada put immense amount of pressure on the provincial associations. They should have never had to be put in the situation of having to decide how the reps were going to be picked because the inconsistencies and all of that showed. So a lot of problems with it, no doubt. But at the end of the day, I still think the best team in this country is going to win the Scotties. And that's exactly what you want. And finally, Devin, I can't let you go without uh, talking to you about that curling show that you and six-time Scotties champion Colleen Jones launched at the start of the Scotties. Yeah, Frank, thank you for asking, because I know you're working your ass off every night to, to do it as well and serve the curling fans, and you do a remarkable job of it. Colleen and I have become really good friends, and what a dream for me personally, just to be able to work with with a champion, truly a champion like her, you know, it's it's fascinating when you when you get to work with these with these you know six time Scotty champions or Olympic champions, how you see that every aspect of their life is done to an impeccable degree. And so when I'm preparing for the show night in and night out with Colleen, she her attention to detail is remarkable, and it's no wonder she is uh, such a champion. And so, you know, we, um, we've had many adventures from Pyeongchang to every nook and cranny in the country. And we were drinking coffee and doing videos. And then we do nightly phone calls. And we said, what if we did a curling show where we let people eavesdrop on our conversations? And, oh, yeah, what if we invited some curling greats and fans and just have fun? We're in our homes. We're all isolated. We're all missing the roaring game so deeply. And we're missing connection aren't we? And so the ability to bring everybody together on a nightly basis has been such a pleasure for me. That's what drives me. I'm exhausted at this point of a bond spiel, as I know you are and and a lot of other people are. But we're going to keep going. We're going to have a great show on Curling Day in Canada, going to all parts of the country, outdoor rinks and bands. It's going to be a real party. And then, of course, we close it out with a big championship Sunday, which I always get excited about. But it has been the ultimate pleasure. I will say we're going nowhere. We're going to be back uh, during the Briar at the trials for the Olympics. And then we are going to be at the 2022 Winter Olympics. So that curling show, Frank, is just 
getting started. And that does it for today's episode of Waking Up with the Scotties on Curling Day in Canada. Hope you enjoyed the show, everyone. Join me tomorrow as we preview the 2021 Scotties Playoffs.